about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic, Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Friday, April 14th, 2023. It is the Feast of St. Benzet of Avignon, also known as Little ben- Benzet, due to his short stature. He received a mission from heaven in 1177 to build a bridge over the Rhone River in Avignon, France. Despite having no resources or knowledge, he courageously went to the bishop to inform him of his mission. The bishop thought that he was mad and sent him to the governor, who also doubted his abilities. However, he easily moved a large stone that 30 men could not, proving his mission was possible. With the governor's support, donations poured in, and a confraternity of lay brothers was founded to help build the bridge. St. Benzet, known for his gift of miracles, directed and helped the builders. The Avignon Bridge was completed in 11 years, and other bridges were subsequently built by the Brotherhood of the Bridge Builders to facilitate travel for pilgrims, travelers, and the poor. St. Benzet's body was buried in the bridge, on the bridge rather, and remained incorrupt for about 500 years until it was transferred to Avignon Cathedral in 1669. Through his remarkable achievements, St. Benzet demonstrated the power of divine providence and the greatness of soul that can be found in humble and seemingly insignificant individuals chosen by God for great works. St. Benzet of Avignon, pray for us. Happy Friday in the octave of Easter to you. Praise be to God. It is a great day to be here. You survived the week. You survived Easter week. You made it. Praise be to God. Now you have the weekend. And on this weekend, let me recommend to you that you spend a little bit of time dedicated to celebrating the Easter season. Recognize that Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Praise be to God. And this weekend, I'm really excited because I have a really busy weekend. Uh, on top of it, a bunch of other things I'm doing. The This weekend, my best friend, Sean Pham, is getting married at Holy Rosary Catholic Church in Houston. And I'm very excited for that. Him and his fiance and soon-to-be wife, uh, Tiffany, they're getting married this Saturday. So prayers for them. And I'm very excited to uh, to see him get married after all this time. So praise be to God. I say all this time. He's not that old. He's the same age as me. But praise be to God. I'm very excited for it. And then also, I have to make a decision either today or Monday, because uh, I, I have a rental car at the moment, but uh, I have to, I'm going to have to make a decision on purchasing a new vehicle soon. So that's going to be very eventful. I never purchased a new vehicle before, so that'll be an interesting situation. Uh, either today or probably Monday, I'm going to be making a decision on buying a vehicle. So pray for me. Um, these this prices of cars right now, of used cars, absolutely absurd absolutely insane so that's my weekend set up for me but i'm very excited for it uh good morning to you tito edwards good morning adrian i'm excited because it's also friday the octave of easter is is winding down but it is still the easter season after this weekend i I believe this weekend is called the lesser easter sunday or something it's a low sunday low Low Sunday. sunday yes that's fascinating something i did i was unaware of 
And uh, I'm we'll, for the weekend myself, we'll be having, spending some time with friends Saturday evening, taking my dog to get his uh, blood taken to see if he's okay, why he's gained so much weight. Hmm. And Sunday, uh, going to Mass, of course. Amen. 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 Yeah, that sounds very eventful. I yes. hope it's good. I hope your dog's okay. He's fine. He, I think we overfeed him. <laughs> My that, mother-in-law. That that tends to be, uh, you know, that's that's why that's why I'm uh, a little too big. I overfeed myself, so I I understand. I understand the problem. <laughs> uh, at 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking about a number of stories. We're not going to be able to get through all of them, but one particular story: James O'Keefe with his new OMG, which I think is hilarious that he named his company OMG, is his uh, new media company. They just uncovered what's going on in female prisons where they're sending men to. I was it's very concerning that what's happening there. So we're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, there's a new exhibit on the Shroud of Turin opening up at the National Museum of Funeral History. And that happens to be located right here in Houston, Texas. So well, we are going to be talking about that at 30 past the hour. And then in the next hour, we're going to be discussing the recent new movies on exorcisms. Do you plan on seeing those movies I think I kind of don't want to see them, but maybe I'll see them just so I can let you know what exactly they're all about. I am not a huge fan of exorcism movies, generally speaking. So we'll see. We shall see. We'll talk about that in the next hour. And, of course, we have our Fear and Trembling game show. And today is a day where we give out prizes. So you're going to want to make sure that you check out our phone number on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And hop on a call starting in the 7 o'clock Central Time Hour, and we will certainly be able to uh, be able to give that prize out today. Today. But let's begin in prayer, as is our custom. Uh, first and foremost, if y'all would pray for my friend Sean and his wife, soon-to-be wife Tiffany, and for my car-buying experience, I'd be very grateful. But we're going to be praying for whatever it is that you have on your heart. We'll be praying for your friends, family, benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for all those things will be keeping in our hearts as we pray to the Holy Ghost. As this is April, dedicated to the Holy Ghost, we'll pray the Vini Sancti Spiritus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O Ramos, O God, who taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that by the gift of the same Spirit we may be always truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Thank you, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to the Catholic Drive Time Show, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Friday, April 14th, and these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency reports thousands are expected at the National Shrine Mass airing on EWTN beginning, beginning at noon Eastern Time. Bishop Bernard Schlesinger of the Archdiocese of Atlanta will be the main celebrant. The weekend schedule also includes Eucharistic Adoration, Confession, and a Saturday conference on the Eucharist co-hosted by Father Donald Holloway. Union of Catholic Asian News reports after a massive post Protest march in the national capital of New Delhi in February. Thousands of Christians were joined by Hindus and Muslims on April 12th in India's financial capital, Mumbai, to protest against increasing violence against Christians and their places of worship. 
Catholic News Agency reports the Vatican announced Thursday the date and theme for the third annual World Day for Grandparents and the Elderly. The event will take place this year on July 23rd, the Sunday before the Feasts of Saints Anne and Joachim, the Grandparents of Jesus. And the theme for the day selected by the Pope will be His Mercy is from Age to Age, taken from Luke 150. And finally, Catholic News Agency reports during President Joe Biden's four-day trip to Ireland, he plans to visit Our Lady of Knock in Knock County, Mayo. Let us pray for Our Lady's divine intervention in changing his life. These were your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. Jesus appeared to his disciples again afterwards at the Sea of Tiberias, and this is how he appeared to them. Simon Peter was there, and with him were Thomas, who is also called Didymus, and Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two more of his disciples. Simon Peter told them, I am going out fishing, and they said, We too will go with thee. So they went out and embarked on the boat, and all the night they caught nothing. But when morning came, there was Jesus standing on the shore. Only the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Have you caught anything, friends? Jesus asked them. To season your bread with. And when they answered no, he said to them, Cast to the right of the boat, and you will have a catch. So they cast a net and found before long that they had no strength to haul it in. Such a shawl of fish where it was in it. Whereupon the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And Simon Peter, hearing him say that it was the Lord, girded up the fisherman's coat, which was all he wore, and sprang into the sea. The other disciples followed in the boat. They were not far from land, only some hundred yards away, dragging their catch in the net behind them. So they went to shore and found a charcoal fire made there with fish and bread cooking on it. Bring some of the fish that you have just caught, Jesus said to them. And Simon Peter, going on board, hauled in the net to land. And it was loaded with great fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And with a number, the net had not broken. When Jesus said to them, Come and break your fast, none of the disciples ventured to ask him, Who art thou? Knowing well that it was the Lord. So Jesus came up and took bread in which he gave to them and fish as well. And Jesus appeared to his disciples a third time after his rising from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Olapide had a lot to say about this passage, but one note that I wanted to bring up to make sure that this got out there is the 153. St. Louis de Mumford points out that the 153 fish caught up in the net is an analogy or a typology, a type of the Holy Rosary. For the Holy Rosary is 153 beads attached to a rope. And so St. Louis de Montfort associates it with the Holy Rosary and that our Lord will help us catch many fish with the Holy Rosary. So something to keep in mind. Cornelius Alapide commenting on this passage, he says here, he manifested himself thus. Christ wished a larger number and the more honorable of his disciples to be gathered together in order that his manifestation might be so much more the glorious and that before them as princes, he might declare Peter to be his vicar on earth. And so the apostles and the rest of the faithful might acknowledge him to be as such. And here in verse 3, he says here, Simon Peter saith unto them, and different writers give different reasons for this fishing. St. Chrysostom says, because the Lord was not always with them, neither had any been committed to them. They employed themselves in fishing. 
St. Gregory says an employment which was without sin before their conversion was blameless after their conversion. Therefore, Peter returning to his fishing, but Matthew did not return to his receipt of custom. For there are many employments which it's impossible or scarcely possible to follow without sin. To such a man must not return after he is converted. What is he saying here? He's saying here, there is nothing sinful with fishing. Therefore, those who could return to their task of their, their job they had before becoming a disciple of Christ. Whereas others like Matthew, who was a tax collector, and he sinned in taking more than what was responsible of him. He says here, some jobs, well, you just can't do if you're a Christian. If you're a Catholic, you cannot do certain jobs. And it, it, is, it would be sinful for you to do them. Or there are other jobs where it is really, really difficult for you to do and not sin. And for those jobs, you just have to separate yourself. You just have to say, well, I suppose I just can't do them then. This is a difficult saying, but it is nonetheless the higher calling of being a Christian. Now here he says night. Why night? He said, for night is the most suitable time for fishing. For during the day, the fish hide themselves in the depths of the sea. Now, it's funny that they mentioned this because it was true in 1600s. It was true in the, in the time of Christ. And it was true today that uh, fishing at night is always the best time to fish for a number of reasons. But this is one of them. It says here, they took nothing because they were fishing without Jesus, that they might learn that all their success in fishing for souls depended wholly upon Christ. And therefore, they that ought to seek for success from him According to the words of the psalmist, except the Lord build the house, their labor is but lost that build it. How does this mean? This means that if just as though the fishermen here could not catch any fish, even though they were expert fishermen, these were uh, fishermen by trade, and yet they're out all night and not catch a single fish. Our Lord allowed this to happen so that he may show that without him, you cannot catch any fish analogizing it to the supernatural, saying that the fishing of souls, you can be the greatest speaker. You can be the greatest evangelist. But if you do not have Christ, if you do not have prayer, then you cannot catch any souls. Something very important to meditate upon today. So let us recognize that our Lord is here among the turbulentness of the sea, that with him, with the Holy Rosary, we can catch many souls and save many from perdition. So let's do, think about that today and maybe meditate upon this over the weekend. How can we catch souls? Well, the first step, prayer. Second step, prayer. We'll be right back with more after this. Hey, Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and there you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. 
Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. And we are back. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be here with you today on this Easter Friday, surviving the octave of Easter. It's, it's difficult to survive the octave of Easter. You have to feast every single day for eight days. Whew, it's so difficult. I mean, I don't know how people do it, but we survived it. We survived it. So praise be to God. You know, there's a lot of stories in the news that are very concerning. I was seeing these. We definitely won't be able to cover them all, but we should be able to cover a couple. Here's one story that Pentagon docs leak shows Western Special Forces on ground in Ukraine. Now, this is very concerning because we were promised that there were no U.S. troops on the ground in Ukraine. Now, you may have an opinion about whether or not we should have troops in the ground uh, one way or the other. My opinion is that we should not because uh, we should not be risking American citizens for more wars. I'm uh, not a huge fan of having American citizens die in foreign wars. I just don't think that we should uh, let our let our soldiers die that way. However, even if you think that we should have troops on the ground, what's concerning is that America is not at war in Ukraine. Congress has not declared us in war with Russia. We are not at war with Russia, at least not technically. And we were informed and we were told as American citizens that we would not have troops on the ground in Ukraine. And so we've been lied to. And that's really the most concerning part of this. Now, it says here, it is a, a lot. The United Kingdom has 50 special forces. Latvia has 17. France has 15. United States has 14. And the Netherlands has one. Now, I'm curious about that one. Why, why one, one. one guy from, from the Netherlands? That's interesting. But this is very concerning. Why do we have special forces in Ukraine? And here's the other thing. In September of 2022, Putin came out and he said that there were NATO troops on the ground. And he said that they were de facto commanders of the Ukrainian forces. And we had everybody come out and say, oh, Putin's a liar. Don't trust him. He's the bad guy. And yeah, I mean, obviously, we don't support communism, don't support the uh, things that are going on in Russia. But it turns out Putin was telling us the truth. And Joe Biden was lying on us when he said that, quote, that putting U.S. Uh, putting troops in the ground in Ukraine was, quote, not on the table. And then Putin says, no, y'all have troops on the ground and they're actually de facto commanders. And now we found out that this was, in fact, the case because we're not only just sending like U.S. Army, we're sending our special forces over there. This is very concerning. The Pentagon confirmed the U.S. military personnel were on the ground in Ukraine but stated that they were simply small teams that are comprised of embassy personnel, that they are conducting inspections of security assistance delivery, and to, quote, track U.S.-provided capabilities and to prevent the illicit spread through the Eastern Europe. So this turns out to just not be the case. Now, 
we need to keep an eye on the story and see how this plays out because the biggest concern about this, there's a lot of concerns. One is I, I just don't think that we should have U.S. troops in Ukraine. Uh, but more importantly, this escalates the situation because now we are in a de facto war against Russia. And if we have war against Russia, if we have U.S. troops firing upon Russian soldiers, it's not it's it's much more than us providing weapons and when and vehicles to Ukraine. It's much, much more than that now. So will we end up being in an official war with Russia? That would not be good. We we are smelling the uh, beginnings of a World War three, which is very, very concerning. That's how Tito, what are your thoughts about that? It is very disappointing. Uh, concerning. I, I remember speaking to uh, some special force ops a few years ago and uh, off, well, off the record on the radio. <laughs> well, <laughs> apparently we're everywhere. And uh, the, the big, big no-no here is that uh, we got caught and Joe Biden looks not, not, not good. And Vladimir Putin again solidifies his, his image as a truth teller. So it's it's very disconcerting, and what's going to happen when when an American soldier gets shot and killed in the Ukraine? Mm. Uh, nothing's going to be said. It's going to be a quiet ceremony, and the family is going to be uh, in sorrow and in grief without any uh, attention brought to their case, and uh, nothing will be done about it. So, yep. yeah, it, it's, it's no bueno all the way around. Yep, definitely a very concerning story, and like you said, it's going to— solidify uh, Putin's propaganda against the U.S. They're saying, look, you're the Americans. They, they lie to their own people. And it's going to be uh, it's it just just overall. There's just nothing but bad news in that situation. Uh, but going on to this story here, reported by the Daily Wire, James O'Keefe releases video of female inmates revealing what transgender inmates do. This is very, very concerning. And if you have a chance, I highly recommend checking out the actual uh, audio clip of this it's uh just a few minutes long it's uh, six minutes long with an interview with an inmate and this is absolutely horrific here inmates one and two they say here so we have men rapists men murderers child rapists men who have killed women and are in prison for raping and killing women who get put in our rooms inmate number one claimed imagine coming into your room one day and you're in closed custody, and you turn around, and there is a man standing there peeing in the toilet because you have the bathroom in your room in CCU. There is nothing you can do, end quote. This is very concerning. We've heard about these stories in the past how, you know, there are men who are claiming that they identify as a woman, and then they're being transferred to women uh, facilities. This is most notably happening, and these interviews are from women in the Washington State Correctional Center for Women. This is this is absolutely absurd that we're we're doing this and we're allowing women to be trapped in a room with violent offenders. Now here it says, I know there's some that are having sex with women and there's some like assaulting, but no one reported it. Inmate number one said, some of these men are not confused. They're just manipulating the system. It's not equal because we don't get the same care and treatment that the trans get in here. They cater to the trans community. All you have to do is say that you're a woman, that you now uh, that 
that you now, when you're in county, say that you identify as a woman and you can come straight to here from county. The guys don't even have to go to the men's prison first. Inmate number one said that some of the men who were getting put in prison by claiming that they were transgender were doing so just so they could have sex with female inmates. There's nothing you can do but say that you're going to kill yourself and then you go down to the crazy unit to get out of that room, inmate number one said. And if you refuse to go back in there, you get a major and get in trouble. I told all this to the assistant secretary. Inmate number two said that normally in correction institutions, people are segregated, like sex offenders. Usually sex offenders are not in the general population. They're always in the population of their own. My safety is now in jeopardy because I cannot voice my, uh, my freedom of speech. But that doesn't apply anymore because now they're implementing this new gender equality role that forces us to conform to what they want us to believe in about transgenders. It goes on more and more. And we've heard stories of women having abortions inside of, a, inside of these women facilities because they're getting pregnant in a women's facility. How is that happening? Um, because the men that are in there with them are, in fact, men. And some people might be as callous to say, oh, but, you know, they're in prison. They're getting what they deserve. Nobody deserves this. Nobody deserves this. We have to treat our inmates with dignity and respect. Even though they're locked away for crimes, well, you get tried and then you get, in a, you get put in prison or you get fined or you get whatever punishment is coming to you. But being locked in a room with a sex offender or a murderer or a wife beater, um, being locked in a room with someone like that is the definition of cruel and unusual punishment. So this is something that we should be speaking out against that criminal justice reform, um, this is something that is real, that really does need to happen. It's not just some talking point. And we're going in the complete opposite direction. Instead of making things better, we're actually making things worse. So this is a very concerning story. I recommend going and finding the, the whole video. I found this article out of the Daily Wire. Um, but if you can find the it's uh, O'Keefe Media Group, OMG, if you find them on YouTube, you can find the entirety of this interview with the two inmates, very, very concerning. Now, into the same note, there was, uh, speaking of these kind of crazy ideas that are being put out in the public, this is kind of a more, kind of an amusing story to me. FSU professor abruptly leaves job after faking racism data to make it seem more prevalent. A co-author on one of the professor's papers wrote a 27-page article detailing the data manipulation. Now, the reason why this is funny to me and why I think this is a great story is because it proves over and over again, generally speaking, Americans are not racist. Americans, white Americans, have the lowest racial consciousness of anyone in the world. We, as Americans, we are very much very tolerant of people of other races. We're not very racist at all, so much so that people have to make up data to say, to say that we are racist. They try to make up data. How many times have you heard stories of, of uh, hate crimes that turn out to be hoaxes? Why, if, if racism is so prevalent in the world, why do we have to make up race hoaxes? Shouldn't they just be happening so often that we would just point to the real ones? So why do we see every single, every, like maybe, it feels like every month at this point, there's another race hoax you see and you're like, oh, come on. Nobody really did that. And plus, we punish racism so hard, not legally, but we punish it socially. You can get fired from your job. You get 
punished by socially. You get deleted off of all your social media accounts. Everything, your life is destroyed. So every time you see a race hoax like that, immediately I'm like, okay, come on. Even if someone was actually that racist, <laughs> they probably wouldn't come out and say it. Their lives would be absolutely and utterly ruined. Uh, so there would be no way they're going to do that. So I think it's very, very uh, good, actually, sign that this happened. I'm glad that the, the co-author of this paper came out and was like, this data is all fake. And I think that's great. I'm so happy this happened because it really shows that we really don't, we're really not a racist country. Of everyone that I've ever met, you know, it's, it's really funny. I, we make this joke among my friends. My, a lot of my friends were uh, Hispanics or Mexicans, and they, they would make the jokes like, um... Not gonna lie, I think um, Mexicans are more racist than uh, white people because uh, you know we it's just that's just the way it is, and it's kind of funny because yeah it, it it's kind of true it's kind of true. Uh, people when you talk to people of other races they it, it's out of everyone I've ever met white people tend to be the least racist people out of everybody, and I think it's hilarious whenever I see people make the claims that we're a racist country. Because it's just simply not true. And especially from a Christian standpoint, because when we look at everybody, we look at people as the image and likeness of God. And the image and likeness of God has nothing to do with your physical features, has nothing to do with your skin color. And this is why the black Hebrew Israelites are the most obnoxious people on the planet, because they're like, oh, Jesus was black, Mary was black, and therefore uh, this is the only way that we have to portray everything. And that's honestly a very racist idea because the skin color of our Lord does not matter. The skin color of Our Lady does not matter. What matters is that we're made in the Imago Dei, the image of God, which is what? Which is our soul, which is our rationality. That's the image of God. And that's something that is something beautiful and something that we respect in every human person. We'll be right back with more after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Because Jesus said in Matthew 23 that no one should be called rabbi, father, or teacher, I'm sure you would never call one of your teachers teacher, would you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a Catholic no-no, calling a priest father. Well, what about Paul calling Timothy, Titus, and Onesimus his sons? No doubt his spiritual sons, but is it not proper for a spiritual son to call his spiritual father father? This reverential title should never have generated such a big point of contention. Secondly, the New Testament. In Acts 7 and Romans 9, we see the term father being used referring to Abraham and some of our great patriarchs. And my take, isn't context everything? When Jesus is speaking to the multitudes, it's oftentimes in the language and style of hyperbole. His discourse was not focused on titles or ecclesiastical guidelines. Jesus was once again warning against giving honor where honor is not due. Next time you see your pastor, just say, hey, preacher, that just seems so lacking. Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the church for evangelism today. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the Ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Friday, April 14th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for this morning. 
Catholic News Agency reports Biden's Department of Justice is facing criticism after it was reported that the DOJ recommended zero jail time in a plea deal involving a suspect charged with the destruction of property at a Catholic church in Washington state in June of 2022. The damage at the St. Louis Catholic Church in Bellevue, Washington amounted to more than $30,000, which included the destruction of an Italian-made Blessed Virgin Mary statue, anti-Catholic graffiti, and smashed windows. The defendant, Mava Nota, who reportedly identifies as a transgender female, is also being charged on the state level. Zenit reports a historic record loss of faithful in Germany and of income via the ecclesiastical tax. A study published last weekend shows the Catholic Church and the Evangelical Church in Germany lost a combined total of 1.3 million faithful, which implies 3% of the total. The study reflects a historic record of losses. The Union of Catholic Asian News reports Pope Francis urges right to medicine for elderly people. Limited access to needed medication is a hidden and progressive euthanasia, Pope Francis says. While financial reasons sometimes prevent elderly people from receiving the medicine they need, he said that everyone has the right to medicine. And finally, the Catholic News Agency reports that the Biden administration plans to issue an emergency appeal to the Supreme Court after a federal appeals court allowed a Texas judge's ruling to severely restrict abortion pill access. The appeals court Wednesday night temporarily suspended the judge's ruling to invalidate the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's approval. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And, you know, it's a great day today. Praise be to God. A beautiful Friday in the octave of Easter. You know, it is just, you know, one thing that I highly recommend everybody do today is at some point today, maybe as you're driving down the highway, you're heading to work or you're heading to drop your kids off at school, whatever it is that you're doing today, stick your head out the window, roll the window down and just say, Christ is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Praise be to God. And speaking of Christ being risen, alleluia, alleluia, we're joined right now by Genevieve, who is the director of the, uh, this new exhibit, the Shroud of Turin, opening up at the National Museum of Funeral History. Uh, good morning to you, Mrs. Genevieve. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, praise be to God. I'm glad you're here. It's funny. I got this email yesterday uh, from Clint saying, uh, hey, you should have this conversation about the uh, National exhibit of the Shroud of Turin and it's hilarious because just last week, a week from today actually, or a week from yesterday rather, we had a Father Dalton on uh, oh. who was a lecturer I was on y'all's site and y'all had a, a post of, of a video lecture from Father Dalton on the Shroud of Turin. Uh, so I thought that was a really amusing uh, coincidence there. Oh, Father Dalton's been a huge uh, supporter and voice for us at the museum uh, helping us spread the word about this new exhibit that's coming. Uh, he actually was here in September when we kicked off our capital campaign. And, you know, this has been uh, quite a task, uh, a moving of mountains, if you will, uh, a test of one's faith and ability to persevere in creating this exhibit here in Houston. Uh, we started this venture back in 2018. Oh, wow. And uh, we had uh, all this momentum, um, support, uh, concept, idea, design, 
uh, Cardinal DiNardo had also was very instrumental in um, endorsing this uh, exhibit here in Houston, and COVID happened. Mm. And uh, we we really uh, lost all that momentum, and everybody that had come together to try and uh, make this exhibit possible uh, kind of had to, you know, you know, we just kind of receded uh, from the efforts. And uh, then we were still waiting to find out if we were going to receive a, our certified copy of the Shroud from Turin. Uh, we had put in a request for it. And because we weren't hearing anything uh, from the Archbishop of Turin, uh, we weren't sure if it was going to be possible to bring this exhibit to Houston. Uh, and then uh, Easter of 2022, we were informed that we were going to be gifted via the Archdiocese of Galveston, uh, Houston, the certified copy of the Shroud of Turin. That's amazing. And, you know, I just, you telling that story, I'm just thinking, okay, so you, you had your, your Good Friday moment, and then you had your Easter Sunday where uh, the, the project was resurrected. Uh, Correct, so yes. That. That's, yes. Uh, that's very yeah. cool. You know, what makes something an authentic copy of the Shroud of Turin versus a just a regular copy that someone might just take and make there's is there something unique about the replicas uh yeah so you know you have relics uh relics are those that are um directly from uh the the person or the or the actual item and then you have what they call first class first class second class third class relics that are items that have come in contact with the original or the person uh, with this, we actually went through the Archbishop of Turin and um, had the shroud was made over in Turin. So it made it certified as it came from Turin. But what made it even more special, unbeknownst to us, is that when uh, COVID struck the world, they took some of the uh, ancient uh, flaxseed out of the vault and planted it in a field in Bergamo, Italy. And while we were all hibernating, they were growing a field of flaxseed that they actually planned to harvest and create some shrouds for hope. Oh, wow. So we actually have a certified copy from Turin because it was made in Turin, but it has now even more, has more significance because it is grown and woven with the same first century techniques and grown from a flaxseed as close to the original flaxseed as the original Holy Shroud. Wow. Yes. Oh, wow. So so the actual material itself is like, so it's not like printed on paper and it is it has, it's literally the same material. Well, it, not literally the same material, but it's actual it's, linen. It's actually, oh, that's amazing. Yes, it's, it's true linen. And uh, of course they used uh, modern technology to print the image uh, the exact replica of the image of the Holy Shroud. That's amazing. That's yes. amazing. And there's only seven of them that they created. Really? Yes. So there's only seven in the world? Seven in the world. Wow. And we have one right here in our city. Wow, praise be to God. And I, I was looking down on the website for this information. I love the title here, The Most Famous Burial of All Time, The Shroud of Turin. And has, it's so true. The people hear about it, but I'm surprised by how many people have never even heard of the Shroud of Turin. What kind of feedback have you received from maybe the more secular world, obviously, and from the Archbishop and from Cardinal, probably 
uh, they're like, oh, yeah, the Shroud of Turin. But from like the museum and things like that, do they know about the Shroud? Uh, yes. I mean, it's it's a burial practice, right? So a shroud is a cloth in which we use to wrap a body in uh, during burial customs and traditions that you find in the Jewish community. Uh, so it, it's it's understood to be part of caring for the dead and, and, and putting them to their rest, final resting place. So there is some link to that. Now, if you're asking about the actual Holy Shroud right. and the understanding of the Holy Shroud, what it means... Um, I don't think there's a lot of people that truly know what the Holy Shroud is all about. And, of course, you know, you're going to have your skeptics out there as mm-hmm. well. And we've addressed some of that. And speaking uh, of, the, of the research behind the Shroud, we're, we're going to be um, honored to have in our presence uh, two of the members from the STIRP team that actually did the research oh, wow. on the Shroud, uh, uh, the Holy Shroud itself in Italy, uh, they were able to study it. They were granted permission to do so for five days, for 24 hours, and collect as much data as they could in that time period. Um, and they're going to actually be speaking. We're going to be having a lecture that's open to the public. Tickets are available online. Uh, and we're calling that the evening with the experts. So you actually are going to get to hear from them. Uh, I don't know how much longer that opportunity will be available to us, but you know what an amazing opportunity to hear from people who have actually been in front of the Holy Shroud, touched it, uh, and witnessed it themselves. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm looking here, and I definitely will be getting a ticket to see this. That's Same that's here. really amazing. That it's on the on April 27th, 2023, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eleven dollar tickets in Houston, Texas. So yeah, if you're in the Houston area or you'd like to travel to the Houston area for this event, uh, let me know. I would love to uh, meet you, but uh, the I'm definitely going to buy tickets and I'm definitely going to be at this event because that's really awesome. We're going to go to a break in just a moment. When we come back, I want to ask you about some of the uh, reception of this in terms of the museum and and how kind of skeptics have applied to this because I, I was kind of worried when I saw this. I'm like, you know, a lot of times when every things like like secular museums come out and they have these kind of exhibits, they come out and they're like, "Oh, well, some people claim this, but in reality, it's fake." Um, and then kind of like this having the in the different TV shows and things like that. It's like some people believe this, but it's completely fake. And I was a little concerned when I when I saw that. I'm always thinking, uh, "How are people going to start presenting this thing?" And I, I want so I want to bring up that when we come back. And then lastly, you mentioned the the two people that uh, are going to be there. I want to ask a little bit about who these people are and what kind of research they did. Um, so when we, all of this, when we come back on Catholic Drive Time, so stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back in just a moment, and we'll be discussing more about the Shroud of Turin or the replica that of uh, right here in Houston, Texas. We're right back with more after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Since you may not agree that the New Testament came to us through the oral tradition of the apostles, how do you believe it did come to us? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a language aid. In Latin, the word tradition is a verb, not a noun. It's the act of handing over. Handing over what? Handing over the faith. You see, capital T tradition continues to answer the questions the Bible doesn't explicitly answer. For example, you've noticed that contraception or doctor-assisted 
attempted suicide and many other crucial human topics are not laid out in the Bible. Secondly, analogous to baseball, the totality of baseball has been handed on to each generation. This is very different than just the small T tradition of saying not flipping the bat after hitting a home run. And thirdly, in case you're trying to rid church traditions to be non-traditional, just know that capital T tradition is what got you to Jesus. Drop kicking small religious traditions to be considered non-traditional is like the dog chasing his tail. His task is never fruitless and thoroughly silly. Hey, Donnie, what does the catechism say that the purpose of life is? No love and serve God to be happy in the next. That's right. So we can be happy with Him in the next life. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be with you today. On this Easter Friday, a Friday within the octave of Easter, praise be to God. Uh, joining us right now is director of the Shroud of Turin uh, exhibit at the National Museum of Funeral History, uh, Genevieve, Mrs. Genevieve, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. And, you know, we were talking during the break about... The, the Shroud of Turin surviving wars, calamities, and things like that. Uh, could you tell me, uh, what do you mean by it's surviving wars and calamities? And uh, I mean, it has been around for a little while, 2,000 years. Um, it's, it's certainly seen a lot of things. Tell me about that. Yes, um, you know, one of the things you'll learn about in the exhibit is the actual journey of the Shroud itself. Of course, they, they've been, there's been a lot of research going on trying to understand the entire journey of the shroud. I mean, of course, they know that the shroud began at the time that Jesus was crucified and, and was buried and resurrected, and then they found the shroud, and that was the beginning of the discovery of the shroud. Uh, but since then, it had uh, many journeys. It, it changed many hands, and there were times where in recorded history they couldn't find any details that would actually lead them to believe that the shroud was at this location or now it moved over here. And it and, and so there is a small period of time where it kind of disappears, if you will. And then it comes back again and it was, you know, uh, it was owned by kings and queens. Uh, it was used as, cel- you know, came out during celebrations and weddings and such. Uh, and then uh, when uh, King Umberto uh, ended up having it, uh, for a very long time, and the Savoy family had it for a very long time. Uh, they uh, eventually gave, gave entire custody to it uh, to the reigning pope, uh, and now the shroud belongs to it, it, the reigning pope. Wow. And so, um, yeah, it's been around for a long time. It's survived fires. Uh, there's, it's been in two fires, and you can actually see on the shroud where the repair was done. From the fires, there's patches. I think that's probably the first thing you'll see uh, because it is really hard to see the faint image. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do a really good job helping you with the legend. Uh, I've been working on the exhibit now since 2018. And I have to tell you, it took me uh, probably a year and a half for me to really understand the image and really see it for what it is. Uh, and that's looking at it multiple times. Wow. Uh, so I, I tell visitors, it, it, don't get discouraged if you don't see the image when you first come come to see it. Um, but study the legend that we have there, and you'll be able, it'll it'll eventually begin to present itself to you. Uh, and the and the replica actually 
has a, a better imprint of the image than the actual holy shroud itself. Um, because, of course, you know, it fades over time. Mm-hmm. Right. And that makes sense. And, um, you know, it's it's so uh, interesting to me because when I was when we were talking to to Father Dalton uh, last week, he was explaining to us all the little details and all the little marks and how they can they are able to to see so much about the it's like a snapshot of the past and see every single thing that was happening uh, then. I think that's wonderful. But before we went to break, I had mentioned how, you know, I'm, I was, I'm always a little worried whenever I see anything that is remotely secular uh, talking about Christian things because I'm always like, oh, they're, they're always, they, they like to uh, try to spin things to say, to try to deny Christianity, deny the faith, deny any miracles. And this is a very common one is that anytime the shot of turn comes up, they're like, oh, the shot of turn was debunked. Uh, we know it's a forgery. We know it's fake. And so I was a little concerned that that was going to be the case uh, with this exhibit. So tell me about uh, your experience with kind of the skeptics and having uh, how y'all decided to present the exhibit. Uh, well, of course, you know, everything we do in life, there's always going to be somebody that wants to uh, dissect it and, and and try and put some type of spin on it, put some type of negativity with it. Um, but no, we've approached it truthfully as that this is a burial cloth. This is a Jewish burial practice. Um, and when there's, when people come to the death, they tend to look to their religion. They look to their faith. And so everybody, you know, we really tried to keep it a very neutral presence that when you come to this exhibit, you're going to learn about the most famous burial of all time, which is this burial cloth that was used to wrap a scourged man that is proven. Uh, whether you believe that to be the man of Jesus or a man itself, there was a man wrapped in this cloth to create this image. Right. Uh, we allow you to come and do the research yourself and, and bring your own faith, your own beliefs to this exhibit. Uh, and we hope that you'll walk away with more questions than answers. That's very interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, that's true. I mean, you can't technically prove that this is uh, the Christ, but you know, you can tell like this was a man who was crucified, who was crucified and scourged, scourged and had and a bunch of wounds that created all of these images. Yes. You, and, it, and, and it's really, it's mapped <laughs> out, right? You can really look and there's reference. That's the thing. Mm. There are references that back this up. Now, as far as the studies, the scientific studies that they performed, uh, you know, they, they, they took pollen samples and they actually cut parts of the shroud for future study uh, and, and radiocarbon dating. And interesting enough, you know, when you really look at the study itself and the technology that we had in that time period for those studies, um, we're, we're, we're human, right? We're mm-hmm. man. We all make mistakes. Right. Okay. And when something is held by the corners... Uh, the corners of any linen, if you look at a linen cloth, it tends to fray. And so you've got to keep that fraying from continuing, which will eventually lead to destruction, right? So there was repair done on the corners. So who's to say that that fabric sample that they took wasn't that of a repaired piece Mm. through time? Uh, So until I think we are able to develop technology enough to be able to study the shroud without causing any destruction, Will we be able to truly understand what the shroud is about, 
how old is the shroud and whose shroud was this, mm-hmm. right? Well, you know, it's kind of, it's funny you say that because I'm like, yeah, I mean, uh, we could uh, burn the whole thing up trying to carbon date it, and it's like, okay, then we proved it, but now what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we <destroyed> right? <laughs> uh, so I would, I think I'd prefer having a little bit of mystery and uh, just wait for future generations to uh, get the technology to to be able to see that in the future. Uh, but one thing that I think is absolutely wonderful is that, you know, like you had mentioned before, the image is so faint, and so you look it up and you're like, Oh, that's, that's kind of, I kind of see what you're talking about there. Um, but I like that this is exhibits going to happen so people can go there, see it with their own eyes, and more importantly, see the explanations of how everything works uh, around them. There's something yes. unique about going into a museum and being able to turn to your left, turn to your right, look up and down, and you're able to interact with the exhibit with your with all your senses versus on a computer screen and there's a block of text and, and circles pointing at things. Uh, so tell me about why you think someone should come and see this exhibit in person. Well, uh, I mean, first of all, it's going to, to give you the opportunity to see the, the actual piece. It's, I think, what a computer cannot do is show you the the length of this piece. I think people are going to be really uh, taken back at how long it actually is. Um, how big it is. Yeah, it's huge. It, it, it truly is. I, I remember seeing it for the first time, and I was like, wow, that is a huge piece of cloth. I, I never thought. Because uh, a lot of the images that you see are just that of the face. Right. My husband was even telling me when we went to the shroud exhibit in Washington, D.C., when I showed him the full shroud, he said, this is the shroud. And then we saw just the black and white image of the face. He goes, I thought that was the shroud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was actually upset because he was like, I was led to believe that this was the shroud, not the entire piece that covers the entire body. Um, and, and I think that that will also help put things in perspective for people uh, when they come to the exhibit is that they'll, they'll have a true understanding of what the shroud is and kind of get to understand where it came from, how it traveled, um, but more importantly, be able to really see the image up close mm. themselves. And, you know, I think it's also an ac- excellent opportunity of evangelization. If you have somebody in your life, you know someone who, you know, they may be on the fence about this whole believing thing. Uh, well, you just you can present it just uh, like uh, Genevieve did here and say, you know, all I'm saying is that this is an ancient burial cloth from the first century. Let's come take a look at it. I think it'll be a great time, and it'll be, at the very least, really interesting. And I think it'll be a great opportunity of evangelization. Uh, now, tell me about if you know anything about this story. You may not, um, but... I was told, and I don't know if this is true or not, which is why I'm asking, that the the knights during the Crusades had the Shroud of Turin, and they had it folded up, and so that only the face was exposed, and so they, the uh, Knights Templar were accused of worshipping a disembodied head, but it turns out that it was the Shroud of Turin just folded up and the face being displayed. Uh, have you ever heard that story or know anything about that? No, I don't. I, I haven't heard that story. Um, of course, I, I'm sure if you ask some of the shroudies out there, uh, they they might have that answer. Uh, okay, there's, there's, truthfully, there's there is a huge group of people that have studied the shroud very extensively, um, and and I and I really really am fascinated with their knowledge mm. uh, of the shroud. But myself personally, I didn't come across any of that information during my research and creating the exhibit. 
Yeah, no problem. I was just curious because it may not be that it may just be that the story's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just I've heard that story and I'm always like, is that a true story? And uh, if it was the shroud, what if it was a, the, the the veil of Veronica? Because it could be that too. Uh, so I'm like, hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. So, but it's very interesting to me uh, that very uh, particular situation. In the little time we have left, tell me about these experts who are going to be there in April 27th. Uh, yeah, so we're going to have Barry Schwartz and Rudy Dichtel there. He, they both were part of the STIRP research team. Uh, they were responsible for um, taking like the pollen samples and taking the photographs of the uh, shroud itself uh, and then setting everything up for study. Uh, the, the pollen samples, of course, were helping to try and track the, the journey of the shroud based on uh, the microscopic uh, seeds that they were able to re, uh, get off of the shroud with the torque applicator. And um, Barry Schwartz has put his, the torque applicator that they actually used to create to get those samples on loan to us, and that'll oh, be wow. on display, so you'll get to see that. Uh, and then and then the, the photo imaging that they have used, of course, you'll see that also in the exhibit. You'll learn about how the, how the photography um, almost really helped that image on the shroud kind of become more visible uh, and and through the black and white images. Amen. That sounds like a great time. So I will definitely be there on April 27th. That's a Thursday evening, so I'll be there. Make sure if you are able to, let me know. I'd love to meet you. Uh, April 27th, check it out. Go to the National Museum of Fine Arts, Houston, and look up the Shroud of Houston. Uh, what is it? Funeral history. Funeral history, yes. <laughs> National, National Museum of Funeral History. The Shroud of Turin. Check it out. Just search it on Google. It'll pop up. A National Fi- National Museum of Funeral History. Shroud of Turin. There you go. Yeah. We'll be right back with more after this. Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 A.D., 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed at a church down the street. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, 
don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know. And now in these past couple of years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Serving God's Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, this is KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas. Your destination for Catholic Radio, on air and online at grnonline.com. And we are back. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's so good to be here with you today. It's always good to be here in Catholic Radio. The sun is starting to peak up. Praise be to God. We love to see it. So every morning, go look at the rising sun and think, praise be to God for the rising sun of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love saying hallelujah. During Lent is like the saddest time of the year because you're just like, no hallelujahs allowed. No A words. No A words. And But when you get back from the uh, Lenten season, <laughs> then then the party begins. Oh, yeah. Chocolate muffins. Chocolate muffins. Specifically chocolate muffins. Uh, one of many. There's uh, many other things. Chocolate shakes. Chocolate, chocolate shakes. Chocolate chip you know, cookies. It was really sad. On Easter Sunday, so I went to, I, I got out of mass at like 2 in the morning. And the um, we went to Denny's. Some friends and I went to Denny's to celebrate because we had been fasting all of Saturday, all of Friday. And we uh, so we go. And I was like, I'm going to get that uh, Oreo milkshake and it's going to be so good. Ooh. And they're like, our ice cream machine is broken. I'm like, what is this, McDonald's? Oh. There's no their ice cream machine is broken. Burger King. Oh, man. So I didn't get a I didn't get my milkshake on Easter Sunday. Sad day. Sad day. But you know, I, I was trying to get the name of the exhibit correct during the last segment and I was just like butchering it. It's the National Museum of Funeral History, and they open on April twenty seventh at ten AM to the public. So there you go. That's the information that I was trying to get out that I was failing to articulate properly. But that's uh, that's what it is. Make sure if you're in the Houston area or you live somewhere within the Houston, the greater Houston area, you come out to the National Museum of Funeral History on April 27th for the exhibit. But if not, the exhibit's open to the public starting at 10 a.m. on the same day, April 27th. So if you can't come that day, come sometime after to come see the exhibit. That'd be a great time. It'll be a wonderful time. April 27th, 10 a.m. Yep, yep. Now, you know, one thing that I was thinking about this morning, I was trying, I was thinking about, okay... What is something something really great about the feast days? And I was thinking about Maddens. Every morning uh, in the Divine Office, you pray Maddens. Uh, it's typically done at, like, it's called the midnight hour. Um, many, many religious and priests who do Maddens do it in the morning instead. They kind of combined it with morning prayer because they're like, I ain't getting up at midnight. <laughs> uh, so they, but this prayer and the inventory, it's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful hymn that's sung. And it's especially during the Easter season because then they, they just tag a, an Alleluia at the end of every every verse here. But the antiphon here, I'm going to read this to you, and I, I think it's so beautiful. It says, "The Lord is risen indeed, Alleluia! The Lord is risen indeed, Alleluia! Come, let us praise the Lord with joy. 
Let us joyfully sing to God our Savior. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise to him with psalms. The Lord is risen indeed, alleluia. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. For the Lord will not cast off his people. For in his hand are all the ends of the earth and the heights of the mountains are his, alleluia. For the, for the sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us adore and fall down and weep before the Lord that made us. For he is the Lord our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. The Lord is indeed, is risen indeed, alleluia. Today, if you shall hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, according to the day of the temptation in the wilderness, where your fathers tempted me. They proved me, and saw my works, alleluia. Forty years long was I offended with the generation, and I said, These always err in heart, and these men have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. A very beautiful, beautiful hymn to, especially during this Easter season, to to recognize that the Lord God is is not just master over our hearts, which is fine. That's a great thing, and it's a true thing. It's a, something that's often said during the Easter season. Christ has risen in your hearts. Well, that's true. That's a true fact. And it's nothing wrong with saying that. But what's wrong with that could be if you stop there. If you say Christ is risen indeed, Alleluia. In my heart, but that's it. Because Christ was risen in history. Christ was risen right here on earth. And so we don't have a God who is dead. No, we have God who is alive. It's said that God is not God of the dead, but of the living. Because all who have passed away, Christ conquered death. And in conquering death, he becomes God of the living for all of our lost faithful are alive in Christ now. So it's a great thing to meditate upon, especially during the Easter season that our Lord is real. He has risen from the dead and because he has risen from the dead, everything that he said can be confirmed as true. Everything he said can be confirmed as something that we must follow. And what was the commandments of our Lord? He said, I give you one great commandment to love God. And he said, the second is like unto it to love your neighbor as right, as yourself. Now, people might say, well, that's easy. I can do that. <laughs> easy peasy. Life is easy. All I got to do is love God and love neighbor. <laughs> Done. However, when asked, uh, well, our Lord, how how do we love God? How do we love our neighbor? And our Lord tells us, he says, if you love God, you will keep his commandments. If you love God, you will keep his commandments. So do we keep the commandments? Do I keep the commandments? How often have I not kept the commandments of God? He has told us many things. He has commanded us many things in the New Testament and in the Old. And those are the things that we must follow. Of course, the ceremonial laws have passed away. So uh, the dietary restrictions and things like that have passed away. Uh, for all is clean. It's not what enters the mouth that makes us unclean, but what comes forth from the mouth that makes us unclean. And so what is the commandments of God? 
Well, first and foremost, our Lord commanded us to be part of his church. He said, he told Peter that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so since he built this church, what do we see St. Paul tell us? He says, it is the church that is the pillar and foundation of truth. The church is the pillar and foundation of truth. It is not whatever it is that you may come up with on your own. It is not your own ideas. It's not your own infallibility. It's funny. Fulton Sheen, he has these uh, funny way of putting things. I, I love it. He says, uh, you know, man does not have a problem with papal infallibility because of infallibility. He has a problem with papal infallibility because he thinks that he's infallible. He's like, no, 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 no. The infallibility doesn't reside in Rome. It resides in me. And I thought that was the funniest thing ever because I'm like, yep, that's 100% correct. That's exactly the way we see it. And he said something similar about the Immaculate Conception. He says, why is it that modern man is so concerned with the Immaculate Conception? Why is it that we cannot affirm the Immaculate Conception? Well, the reason is not some lofty theological reason. No, instead, it's because we believe that I am the Immaculate Conception. Is because they think that we're all immaculately conceived. And because of that, I can do no wrong. So therefore, I am the one who's the arbiter of morality. A very interesting, interesting idea that Fulton Sheen puts out there. And I think it's an excellent commentary on our world today. Uh, what do you think about that, Tito? Yeah, it's, it's very, uh, many of the things, almost everything that he said, especially on his television program, is apropos for today. And one of the big reasons it uh, is, is because they are timeless truths. They, they apply more so today than they did back then. And, and because now that we're living in an age where a person can walk up to you and demand that you know, a, a, a man comes up to you and says, you have to call me her and she because I identify as a woman. They've become infallible. They've become the truth sayer. They become the one imposing their reality upon others us all. And so it is uh, amazing and quite awful to think the time that we live in where people are going around proclaiming their own truths. Uh, and it's been, it's been going on for quite a long time. And, uh, and, and so Jesus came into the world to break through this darkness, to bring light to the world. And one big reason why uh, we celebrate Easter is because of that fact. He brought truth, eternal truth, the timeless truths. And, uh, and we have to remember, you know, today, and a little bit off the beaten path, today is Friday. We're almost done with the octave of Easter. We need to celebrate and, and proclaim the truth to all the world. That's what we've been commissioned to do. And so we need to talk to our friends. We need to be witnesses to our, our neighbors. We need to practice our faith, study our faiths in order to practice it properly. Practice makes perfect and be perfect as Jesus is perfect. Yes, only Jesus can be perfect. But if we strive for perfection, if we strive above and beyond ourselves, we can convert the world. Amen. You know, you know I was just thinking, uh, we talked about this in the past, but I just it's worth repeating. I love John chapter 1. I love John chapter 1. It's probably my favorite passage in Holy Scripture. So beautifully written. It's absolutely wonderful. Here it says uh, in the Douay Rheims translation of the Bible, which is Read my it. favorite. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was nothing that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And it goes on further, and I recommend reading all of it, but the idea that our Lord is the light, we kind of, um, we kind of, what do we do? We, it's very much like we hide it under a bushel basket, right? <laughs> you, we, you said what I was thinking. Yeah, we, we hide it under a bushel basket. We don't let the light shine. And we kind of uh, trivialize it, probably because, you know, we, we associate it with the Sunday school song. I got this little light of mine. I'm, I'm going to let it shine. shine. Yeah. And so we kind of associate it with that. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's such a cute idea. But it's actually very profound. It's actually a really, really big deal that our Lord is a light. And, you know, talking about the Shroud of Turin today and trying to talk about the Shroud last week and how uh, Father Dalton was telling us how the imprint it, it is like there was a giant flash of light and, and that just imprinted the image onto this linen. Yes. And thinking about that, it's like our Lord literally is the light. And then you think about the transfiguration where he's there and he literally starts to to glow with his holiness, with his eminence, with his divinity. And then you think about the uh, on the mount of uh, of Olives. sinai Sorry. the mount sinai when moses goes up the mountain and he looks upon or upon god and what happens he looks on the back side of god and his face is so bright that he has to wear a veil over his face and you know it's funny because in the west it's so funny between the east and the west in terms of miracles in the west we have the miracle of the stigmata where it's very, it's not very common, but it's, it happens uh, not, uh, com- uh, not completely irregularly that we have saints who have the wounds of Christ in their hands, their feet, sometimes their size, sometimes their head, uh, usually just the hands, but it just depends on the saint. But in the East, their equivalent of the, of the, of the stigmata is actually what they call a transfiguration. The divination. Yeah. And yeah. they just start glowing. And there's a story of, a, of an Eastern saint who was uh, that he just received this gift one day of this illumination where he just started glowing and it was so bright that the people, cause he was a hermit. So he lived outside the city that his glowing so brightly that the people in the city thought that his hut was on fire. <laughs> and so they all ran to the hut with the buckets of water, trying to go save this holy man. And it turns out that he was perfectly fine, that he was just glowing with the love of God glowing with the love of I say with the love of God and it's not so much the love of God that he that he has for God but that God has for him because it's the reception of that grace what an amazing amazing thing to think about today especially during this Easter season so let's think about that the light shineth in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it we're going to go to our game show fear and trembling when we come back call now 877-757-9424 877-757-9424 call now and you could be on our game show fear and trembling we'll be right back after this Gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. 
Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is just a bunch of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts and it's against freedom? G.K. Chesterton says, Catholic doctrine and discipline may be walls, but they are the walls of a playground. Freedom exists only within the rules. The greatest act of freedom is obedience, not disobedience. Breaking the rules never makes us happy and certainly does not make us free. God's rules are for our good, not to restrict us, but to protect us. That is how the truth makes us free. Chesterton says that while the church has established rule and order, the chief aim of that order is to give room for good things to run wild. You want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hey, Donnie, name four of the seven sacraments. Baptism, confession. That's right, reconciliation. Communion. Confirmation. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Ninety-four twenty-four. That's the number to call to be on our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. That number, 877-757-9424. Today is Friday. It's the day we draw the prize, so you could win today. All you got to do is call in 877-757-9424. We take the first caller. We always take the first caller, so you can always hop on early if you'd like and wait on hold. That number, 877-757-9424. Praise be to God. And, you know, you may be thinking, I don't think I've ever heard this game before. How does this work? Before I call in, I want to know what's going on here. It's very simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions, and I'm not going to ask you. No, instead, I am going to ask Tito the question, and he's going to give me an answer. It's going to be your job to tell me whether he is right or whether he is wrong. You're going to have 15 seconds on the clock to determine whether or not he is right or wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. This week's prize comes from Studio Sin. Studio Sin, a small creative company offering a variety of products from sacrament cards and accessories to children's books and posters. The winning prize is an Our Lady Undoer of Knots tote bag and Our Lady Guadalupe enamel pin. Go to visit studiosin.com for all your Catholic gifts and decor. Thank you very much, Studio Sin, for sponsoring our show today. Praise be to God. We very much appreciate it. And we have somebody on the line. So if you don't hop on today, make sure you write that number down so you can call on 
uh, Monday because we have all new prizes to give out starting Monday. So write that number down, 877-757-9424, or you can go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get more information. Uh, but joining us right now is Sarah. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning. Hey, Sarah, where are you off to today? I'm driving my infant to daycare so I can go to work. Ah, praise be to God. Uh, you're in what area are you calling from? I'm in San Antonio with the, the DRN. The San Antonio area. Praise be to God. We uh, love the San Antonio market. They honestly, I gotta say, to to Houston's uh, chagrin, because you know I'm uh, located in the Houston area. Uh, we get more callers from San Antonio than anywhere else. Probably second is probably Dallas and Houston. Man, Houston needs to catch up on the game. San Antonio, I think, it has something to do with San Anthony. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, don't you think, Sarah? I would think so. I'd also give credit to Richard Brainer. He's got great listeners as well as Sean Rice. They're and, some of the best, best guys I know. Amen, amen. Yeah, uh, Richard has uh, has killed it over in the San Antonio era, and uh, Sean is a amazing successor as well. So we love it. We absolutely love our team in San Antonio. But praise be to God, Sarah, um, how was your Easter? Did you have a great time? My uh, Holy Week was rough. My Monday of Holy Week, my infant was in the hospital. Oof. But Easter's been turning around. Easter's been great. Good, good. Praise be to God. You know, the the suffering makes the joys so much better. So I, I will be definitely keeping your infant in our prayers and that oh, yeah. everything turns out great. But uh, are you familiar with how the game works, Sarah? Oh, very much. I listen every single morning. (laughs) (laughs) Praise be to God. Well, thank you very much for calling in. We'd love to have you. Then you know that Tito can be a little tricky sometimes, so you got to keep your ears open. Uh, Are you ready to play, Sarah? Yes. Let's do it. Uh, Question numero uno. Numero uno. Which is actually Swahili for one. Huh. Yeah, yeah, little known fact. That's, little known fact. That's true. Yeah, Was that that's the true. question? Yeah, no, 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 oh. no, no. That's not the question, but just this is a fun fact. All right, the question on the board Which prayer includes the words to light, to guard? I'm at a loss of words. I've not heard of this one. I would say the prayer is called Guard the Light. Guard the light you the, say the guard the light prayer yes okay okay that makes sense i mean those are yeah, in, those are two words that happen to be in the prayer itself so that 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 makes sense to me me too all righty sarah it doesn't really matter if it makes sense to me but it has to make sense to sarah sarah the question on the board what prayer includes the words to light to guard at 15 seconds on the clock tito seems to think that the answer is guard the light what say you sarah that is a hard pass. It is the guardian angel prayer. Hey, she knew the answer. Praise be to God. You nailed it. Didn't even need the didn't even need the bell. You just straight up were like, Yeah. I don't even need to say true or false. I know the answer. <laughs> the guardian angel that's the popular title of the of the prayer. It's a, uh it's also angel of God. Amen. Yeah, typically prayers are named after the, the first two words of the prayer. So angel of God. But you know the that's something that's a great prayer to pray every time you get in the car. So if there's ever any risk of accident, uh, your guardian angel would be protecting your life. Uh, but praise be to God. Are you ready for question numero dos? Yes, let's do it. Awesome, let's do it. 
Question number two. Who is the soul of the church? The soul of the church. Body, blood. Ah, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, The you Holy say. Ghost is the soul of the church. Okay. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Seems a little little on the nose, but okay, okay. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was going to be something a little bit more complicated, but let's go with that. Sarah, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is the soul of the church? Tito seems to think that it's the Holy Ghost. I don't know about all that, but it doesn't really matter what I think. It matters what you think, Sarah. 15 seconds on the clock. What say you? Is he right? Is he wrong? Is he true? Is he false? I agree. It's true. She says it's true. Two for two so far, Sarah. Praise be to God. Dose uh, for dose. Sarah, nice. are you secretly a, a teacher at a Catholic university or a Catholic high school or something like that? Is that your secret no, job? No, my father is in the diaconate. Hey, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Praise be to God. Uh, so she's actually an expert in Catholic trivia. I'm sure yeah. they probably had the Catholic trivia game at their home, and they probably played it every night um, before dinner. Uh, so that's my guess. That's what I'm guessing. That's how they do this, the catechesis to their that's children. Not, that's what I'm guessing. That's my guess. All righty, Sarah, are you res- ready for question number three? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Question number three. What do both Gaudete and Latare mean. Oh my goodness, Gaudete and Latare in the in the season of Easter? Mm-hmm. Rejoice, mm-hmm. rejoice. Oh, you're saying okay, okay. It means rejoice. You're saying it means rejoice. Ambos, both of them. Oh, you interesting. Yeah. Two words that mean the same thing. Is that a, is that a possible? Is that a thing that happens? I guess so. All righty, Sarah. You know, I just, you know, I think about the, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite songs is like, Gaudete, Gaudete, Christus and Natus. Uh, Christ is Born Today, which is more of a Christmas song, Christmas, Easter yeah. song. But uh, that's, that's what I think of. And then you have Gaudete Sunday and Laetare Sunday. Interesting, very interesting how they have the same meaning. However, the question isn't, do they have the same meaning? The question is, what do they both mean? Sarah, 15 seconds on the clock. Tito seems to think that it means rejoice. Well, I don't know about all that. I don't know about that. But it's up to you to let me know, Sarah. 15 seconds on the clock. Is he right? Is he wrong? Or is he trying to trick you? What say you, Sarah from San Antonio? I I think he's right. She thinks you're right. Excellent. Praise be to God, Sarah. Three for three. You have your name in the coffee cup of divine providence three times to win this week's prize. How do you feel, Sarah? I feel pretty good. Praise be to God. Now you can uh, call your dad and be like, you did well, dad. Okay, well, then you can uh, offer up a prayer for your dad. Yes. Uh, amen. Amen. All righty, Sarah, stay on the line. We're going to Tito is shaking up the coffee cup of divine providence. He is uh, the drum rolls and it's going. He's shaking it up real good. He's going to pull out a name. And we're going to see if you are the winner today. It could be you. It could be someone else. We'll see. The winner today is Vicky. Vicky. Praise you to God. Way to go, Vicky. Yes, I'm Vicky. sorry, Sarah. It was not God's holy will that you be drawn out of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence today. Uh, but thank you very much for calling in. Yeah, you're so welcome. Congrats, Vicky. 
absolutely. And make sure that uh, you call in in the future. You can in about a month or so. We'd love to have our callers call back in, and maybe next time your name will be drawn. And oh, so you said you're off to drop your uh, your child off at daycare. And where's work? You're you're so you're not a professor at a Catholic university. I'm guessing astrophysicist. <laughs> No, I work at a podiatrist's office. A podiatrist's office. I, so I feel close. You know, I feel really dumb because I don't know what that means. <laughs> foot doctor. Oh, okay, okay. Foot doctor. Uh, so you work at a podiatrist's office. Okay, praise be to God. Then I hope that goes well today. And I hope that you have a really blessed uh, rest of the Easter octave. you have any plans for the weekend for your Easter, the end of the Easter octave? Uh, we're just going to Mass. Just going to Mass. Praise be to God. Just going to Mass. She means... Hallelujah, I'm going to Mass. Woo! Yeah. Yep, that's exactly what it means. Amen. Have a great day. Amen. You. God bless you. God bless you. Have a blessed Easter. <laughs> and that's going to do it for today on the Catholic Drive Time Show. Uh, make sure that you check us out. You can go on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get all of our information, find our social media feed, sign up for our email list, you know, that catechism series that we did on uh, throughout Lent, I think this week and next week, I'm going to send the private link to that catechism list to anyone who joins our email list uh, either this week or next week. So make sure you go grnonline.com forward slash CDT to get in on that Aquinas catechism series that we did during Lent. It won't be live, but you're going to see the recordings of that uh, so make sure you go and do that. If you can join us, we're hopping on to our after show where we're on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey. And so hop on our social medias and we'll interact with you directly. If not, we'll see you back Monday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. God love you. And remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask Blessed Mary of a Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Kyrie Kyrie eleison, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, who gave us the Paschal Mystery and the covenant you established for reconciling the human race, so dispose our minds, we pray, that what we celebrate by professing the faith we may express in deeds. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. After the crippled man had been cured, while Peter and John were still speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and the Sadducees confronted them. Disturbed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the, the resurrection of the dead, they laid hands on Peter and John and put them in custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word came to believe, and the number of men grew about 5,000. On the next day, their leaders, elders, and scribes were assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly class. They brought them into the presence of, and questioned them. By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, answered them, leaders of the people and elders, if you were being examined, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a cripple, namely, by what mean he was saved, then all of you and all of the people of Israel should know that it was in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. In his name, this man stands before you healed. He is the stone rejected by you, 
the builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is no salvation through anyone else, nor is there any other name under heaven given to the human race by which we are to be saved. The word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm. The stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. The stone stone rejected rejected by by the builders has become become the cornerstone. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Israel say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his mercy endures forever. The stone stone rejected rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done. It is wonderful in our eyes. The stone stone rejected rejected by the builders builders has become become the cornerstone. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. The stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. O Lord, grant salvation. O Lord, grant prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Be blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. The stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in him. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Together were Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We also will come with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, No. So he said to them, Cast the net over the right side of the boat, and you will find something. So they cast it, and were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. So the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tucked his garment, for he was lightly clad, and jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, for they were not far from shore, only about a hundred yards, dragging the net with fish. When they climbed out on shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went over and dragged the net ashore, full of 153 large fish. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? because they realized it was the Lord. Jesus came over, took the bread, and gave it to them, 
and in a like manner the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after being raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. I was at a parish by the sea, and on this octave of Easter Friday, I had the youth group go out and cooked them grilled fish on the shore of the sea. I just wanted to, see, to show them what that was like, what it, that experience felt like. And that experience is important to relate to us context. That's how the human mind thinks. It's also the principle of Catholic hermeneutics, interpretation of scripture. It's all about context. It's particularly poignant after someone dies. Do you think that was the first time Jesus ever cooked them breakfast? In three years of living with him, what was one of the reasons why Jesus would cook them breakfast? Because they recognized how Jesus did something. They had a closeness. That's how John recognized that Jesus was truly risen when he saw the way that he folded the clothes in the tomb. My friend folds his clothes like that. That's why he recognized that Jesus was risen from the dead. He knew him. He lived with him for three years. He knew exactly how he would fold up the Shroud of Turin and place it at the foot of his, you know, because he did it every morning. The same thing with the fish. Do you think Peter was, I've heard this before, this interpretation, they said, well, Peter, how quick you go back to your old ways. You threw off the gospel and you went back fishing the, the life you had before the gospel. That was exactly the opposite. Peter was acting as the first pope. And he did something because he knew Jesus was going to show up. Why? Because that was the context he showed up all the other times. Every time uh, Peter would go fishing before, guess who would show up? Jesus. And that is exactly what happened. Christ showed up and he, you know, did his thing. He said, cast out the right side and all of a sudden they got too many fish. And they're saying, oh, this is definitely Jesus. Nobody except him will do this. Now, if you've ever lost somebody, you know exactly what this is like. I remember a good friend of mine died, and I was taking care of him, and he died, and I, w I found myself going back to the grocery store, and I was there for like two hours, and I couldn't figure out, why am I walking around the grocery store like a lost puppy? Well, I realized that's one of the things my friend loved to do. He loved to go grocery shopping and get all this food. I was looking for him. I wanted to be close to him again. The same thing is true with, I just lost my dad about 63 days ago, and in my family, he was the one who always cooked breakfast. Every morning, he cooked everybody breakfast. He loved to do it. And so the next couple mornings, we were sitting there eating breakfast, kind of sitting there not wanting to leave the breakfast table. Why? Because we wanted to experience some measure of my father again. We wanted to have some kind of experience where we would be reminded of him. Well, more than just being reminded of Jesus when he was fishing, Peter, again, is acting as the first pope. He wanted to lead the church to Christ. And that is exactly what he did. The place for Catholics to understand this, where Jesus shows up, this action that we, this context, this action where we turn again and again, is the Holy Mass. That's when we know Jesus is risen from the dead. The risen Lord comes and he walks in our midst. He gives to us, he opens our minds concerning himself and the scriptures, and he gives us 
the bread of life. He feeds us breakfast, the breakfast of the immortality, the medicine of immortality, the life of the church. So we thank Jesus that he's given us this context where we know he's going to show up. And we ask that we can celebrate this Mass with that wonderful spirit of alleluia, of worship, of adoration and praise. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth the face of the risen Christ, his holiness. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests. We pray to the Lord. For government leaders, that they may not obstruct Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, the lost, the forsaken. We pray to the Lord. And for all of our beloved dead, we pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Jesus Christ is risen today. Alleluia. Our triumphant holy day, Alleluia. Who did once upon the cross, Alleluia, suffer to redeem our loss. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Perfect within us, O Lord, we pray, the solemn exchange brought about by these paschal offerings, that we may be drawn from earthly desires to longing for the things of heaven through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord, but on this day, above all, to laud you yet more gloriously when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. For he is the true Lamb who has taken away the sins of the world, by dying he has destroyed our death, by rising restored our life. Therefore overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exults in your praise, and even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabao, Pleni sunt celia tetha, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, 
You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages. We may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Receptis salutaribus moniti, et divin institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, Sicut in cielo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum, Da nobis hodie, Et emite nobis temita nostra, Sicut et nos temitimus, Debitoribus nostris, Et ne nos inducas in tentationem, Sed libera nos a malo, 
Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon, Jesus said to his disciples, Come and eat. And he took bread and gave it to them. Alleluia. Act of Spiritual Communion My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. or the battle won now that the victory is won oh let us sing a joyful song alleluia 
Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The powers of death have done their worst, but Christ their legions hath dispersed. Let shout of holy joy outburst, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The three sad days are quickly sped. He rises glorious from the dead. All glory to our risen head. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. He closed the yawning gates of hell. The bars from heaven's high portals fell. Let hymns of praise his triumphs tell. Alleluia. Let us pray. Keep safe, O Lord, we pray, those whom you have saved by your kindness, that redeemed by the passion of your Son, they may rejoice in his resurrection, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Alleluia, alleluia. Ye watchers and ye holy ones, bright seraphs, cherubim, and thrones, raise the glad strain, alleluia. Cry out, dominions, princedoms, powers, Virtues, archangels, angel choirs, Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. O higher than the cherubim, more glorious than the seraphim, lead their praises. Alleluia, Thou bearer of the eternal word, Most gracious, magnify the Lord. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Respond, ye souls, in endless rest, Ye patriarchs and prophets blessed, Alleluia, Alleluia. Ye holy twelve, ye martyrs strong, All saints triumphant raise a song, Alleluia, 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 Alleluia.
The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee. Hello, my name is Vera. I'm from Holy Rosary Catholic Church, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Every sort of spell, magic.